Hello, this is Grant Francis, and thank you for joining me for a brand new mini podcast series where I'll be meeting the stars of the stage at the Mayflower Theatre in Southampton. For their spring 2023 season, the Welsh National Opera are presenting a brand new performance called Blaze of Glory and a new imagination of The Magic Flute. Following a successful collaboration in 2019 for Rhonda's Rips It Up, director Caroline Clegg and librettist Emma Jenkins return for Blaze of Glory and are joined by composer David Hackbridge-Johnson, conductor Stephen Higgins and designer Madeline Boyd. The opera is about miners and a group of strong-willed women led by their heroic chorus master, Mr Daffod Pugh, and embark on a series of adventures. Blaze of Glory combines traditional Welsh harmonies with the capella sounds of the 50s, plus operata, gospel and a big band added into the mix. Now, The Magic Flute is a new production of Mozart's The Magic Flute and returns under the eye of director Daisy Evans. The cast are fantastic and I caught up with Julia Sitkovensky, who plays the Queen of the Night. Julia, tell me first of all, how opera came into your life? Well, I was born into it. Uh, I come from a very musical family. Uh, my mother was an opera singer and now she's a singing teacher. And um, my dad is a violinist and conductor. And I'm actually the uh, fifth generation professional musician on my dad's side and third on my mom's side. So I pretty much grew up backstage. It was, it was inevitable <laughs> that you would end up doing something like this. But Ab- yes, <laughs> performing with the Welsh National Opera, that is some kind of accolade, isn't it? Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, I'm I'm so pleased to be to be working with them. They're such a fabulous company and such uh, the orchestra plays so amazingly. It's just so exciting to sing with them and such a fabulous group of people. I'm I'm really lucky to to be here. There's two shows coming to the Mayflower Theatre. One is uh, The Magic Flute and the other is Blaze of Glory, which is a new opera that's been yes. written especially for the Welsh National Opera's spring season now you're in the magic flute and we'll come to that in a moment but just tell me a little bit about blaze of glory and it's very much based on the mining culture and the the in set in a mining town in wales and it uses uh sort of the welsh choirs and it's all about bringing sort of working people together through music and through singing and it's um it's i saw it a couple of months ago when 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 they were doing the final rehearsals and it's such a joyous thing and, and it's also a, it's a really great uh way to to really celebrate wales and welsh culture and and with you know wales has such a wonderful history of singing and they really take pride in singing and music and it's such a celebration of wales and music just coming together in such a joyous and hilarious way um it's it's fabulous so let's talk about the magic flute it's it's coming to the mayflower theater on may the 16th and yeah. it's a very traditional uh, performance, but there's a big twist in this one. In it doesn't look as you would expect. Well, it it's basically taking the one of the most classic of operas and turning it into something else. Uh, it's a brand new translation and libretto from our director Daisy Evans. And uh, what she's done, you know, the Magic Flute. It was written obviously in the 1700s, so it was a totally different time, and it was a pantomime. It was written for the sort of quote unquote normal people rather than high class people. But it does it does have very outdated tropes of 
men versus women, women very emotional and high strung and men very serious and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it, it does have some outdated ideals. And so what Daisy's done is basically adapted it for today. And with this new dialogue and translation, she's made it so accessible also just for people who aren't really familiar with opera and made these really fully fledged, fully well-rounded characters that you can really get on board with. So instead of, you know, my character, the Queen of the Night, just being this crazy, hysterical woman, she's given her a real reason. You know, she's a mother just trying to do what she thinks is best for her child. So what would you say to someone that's never been to an opera before that might be worried that, oh, it's not for me, it's it's a bit, oh, I don't think I'd fancy that. One thing to think about opera is the combination of all the art forms. You've got music, you've got drama, acting, you've got visual arts, and it's such, and it all just kind of comes together in this beautiful mix of passion and emotion. And something like the Magic Flute is a really great gateway into opera because you've got spoken dialogue as well. So it's much more like a musical than just you know sung through opera so and i think also part of the reason why opera might have this elitist idea is because a lot of the time it's not in english daisy wrote this in english so that already kind of breaks down a barrier it's actually not too far away from musicals at all because the emotions are so heightened and even if you don't necessarily understand the language the the humanity that comes through it's universal um but I think, you know, the idea of commissioning new pieces like Blaze of Glory using very sort of modern um, topics like or topics that you wouldn't necessarily think of in an opera like mining, for example, and then using classics like the Magic Flute, but having a modern libretto, changing some of the characters a little bit so that it's a bit more, you know, accessible and understandable for modern sensibilities, that already takes down some of the barriers. And I've already spoken to quite a few people who've come to the to the Our Magic Flute and it was their first opera. And they're completely in love with it now, completely obsessed. So I, that's what I think. It's, it's, it's a bit of a language barrier and just a bit of the idea that because of most of these were written a long time ago and all that kind of stuff. And you imagine like dressing up to the nines and going to all that kind of stuff. You don't have to, you don't have to. It's, you can come in your jeans. The very first thing that you'll hear is the overture. But what Daisy has done has, she's staged basically what happens before the opera during the overture. So you you see basically the pre-story of how my character and Jonathan Lamalu's character as Zarastro, how we're trying to raise our child, we disagree, and there's a big, a big, big fight. And then suddenly you're thrown into the mix with our hero, Tamino, and suddenly you're there on this, and he's having this big fight with this monster, and and suddenly you're just thrown into it immediately, and the drama is just kind of non-stop, and immediately you're, you're, you're grabbed by the throat, essentially, of, okay, and now we're starting in the middle of the battle. It's like in Gladiator, when you start off with that big battle in the middle. You know, that that's, that's what you're gonna see immediately as soon as the overture stops, suddenly you're there. Oh gosh, and this is all happening. And then you meet Papageno, who's this crazy bird catcher character, but is actually one who speaks to some of the wisest. And then later on, I come on and I make my grand entrance. And, and you know, it's, it's you're being introduced to these really 
complex but kind of out there characters but the uh, the action starts straight at the beginning you are as soon as that first chord is played we're we're there and we're telling the story it's it sounds like it's a a juggernaut of of passion and power and performance and the audience are just wrapped up right from the start in this story that everybody can relate to but told but told through music through singing and through some quite extravagant modern costumes too yep i've done this opera many times and i've had some pretty out there stagings of it so (laughs) (laughs) um so uh no 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 but i mean in terms of it's it's very creative in terms of the colors and we've got all these these creative uh scene changes with moving parts and everything and i'm not going to give away but my favorite part is my very famous aria as the queen of the night which a lot of people already know about but let's just say it's uh spellbinding and lots of incredible lights so uh, i'm not going to say anything but uh just wait till the second act because that that is quite that's probably my favorite staging of this aria that I've done. <laughs> it's one of that's the, one of the most famous pieces of of music from this opera as well. It's the, it's the one that everyone yes. goes ah that's the magic flute that's that's Absolutely. the one we know. Yep. A minute ago you talked about the emotions mm. on stage and how opera makes the audience member feel. Mm-hmm. Do you leave the stage with those same emotions night after night after night? It must be incredibly hard to feel that choked up feeling or that that rush of happiness and for it to every night, night after night after night after night. It must take its toll. How do you how do you deal with that? Well, there's a reason that actors are kind of emotionally all over the place because <laughs> we're we're we are actors, essentially. We're singing actors, um, so you know it, it. It's a it's it's a mixture because you have to. You can't just lose yourself every every night because you know we have to also think about our voices and everything. So that you know when I when I was learning how to sing, we all, were always told about the third eye that we always have to just keep an eye on what we're doing. So we have these emotions, but we just need to watch what we're doing so that we don't just lose it and then blow our voices out. So, um, but in a sense, you are right. Every time we do a performance, we have to, we have to find that, then find that honesty and convey that honesty. And that's what you spend years training and learning how to do. And with the right vocal technique and the right sort of acting technique, you find that balance so that you can keep doing it night after night after night and not, and not, exhaust yourself but you know there's a reason that (laughs) i'm often absolutely knackered by the end of a performance because you know especially in this in this role because she gets she's so angry and she's so heightened with her emotions she's she's it it's a lot of up and down with 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 this role so yeah it 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 is a skill and you know we're, we're we're trying to make you feel so we have to feel it too to a certain extent Have you got a process before and after each show that you go through to step up into the role, to hype yourself up, and then to think, I need to, I need to relax now? Is, is, there, a, is there a thing that you do? Uh, with this role, yes, there is. Uh, I have a little routine, uh, especially before the famous aria, because that requires a lot of energy. Um, I, 
if you watch me right before I go on stage, I, I, it's a little bit like before a boxing match. And I sort of start to, I don't jump up and down, but I, I start to kind of just start to ramp it up a little bit. And I start to get myself in this, in this rage thing. And I start to kind of say, and then it's like I go, uh, then I storm on stage and then I have that energy. And then afterwards, I, I, to be honest, I, I, I put on Friends or something on Netflix because kind of, <laughs> I have, I have a little break after that before I have to go back on stage. So then I just, um, I just kind of have a little breath after that. So, uh, but yes, if, if you were to watch me right before I go on stage, before I sing, especially that second aria, you'd think I was losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, it's been quite a long run for you. You started at the beginning of March and you're running through until the end of May, the performances yeah. at the Mayflower Theatre being uh, some of the last ones that you're going to do in this role. Yeah, the last ones I'm doing, because unfortunately I'm not doing the Plymouth ones. My wonderful uh, co-star Samantha Hay is, is uh, doing the Plymouth ones. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> well, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an okay reason for that, though, isn't there? It's um, <laughs> you, You're really getting into the role by method acting and yeah. You're, you're expecting i am expecting yes i'm gonna have a little boy in the summer and um and i i mean first of all i have to say that welsh national opera have been incredibly supportive the whole time and i i couldn't have felt more supported and welcomed um i playing a mother and i am becoming a mother in real life so uh, <laughs> that's been quite the method acting <laughs> has the role taught you anything about mothering that you would you'll you'll take on for for, for the for your son how not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, no, unfortunately, the Queen of the Night is quite the control freak. Uh, she's very um, she's very convinced in it has to be this way because this is the only way that works. And she's very inflexible until, you know, much later on when her daughter actually teaches her to be a bit more flexible. And um, I think what it has taught me is um, actually sometimes your kids might be right <laughs> so um you know just to listen to listen to them once once they can talk obviously and um that the the world is not rigid and you have to be very adaptable so um so thankfully i've learned what not to do <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah it's interesting though uh, it's uh, not not often you get the the chance to be quite um introduced in a, in a very strange way to, to parenthood in your role and then here you are becoming one so there you go it's been interesting <laughs> does it does the um the whole anatomy of pregnancy affect how you sing uh yes and no um everyone's different of course so everyone reacts their body reacts differently i would say the the biggest thing for me has just been breath control uh, because of course you have less and less room to breathe as the baby gets bigger. So every week I just have to slightly readjust and just be like, oh, okay, I have to, I have a little less breath than I thought, so I have to just slightly readjust. But happily, in terms of my voice, uh, nothing's really changed. So um, and also physically, your balance shifts a little bit, so you have to slightly stand a little bit differently and walk a little bit differently. But uh, yeah, that's that's been my experience of it. But everyone will have a different experience of it. It's still positive though, which is really nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's now he's really kicking a lot, and he's uh, absolutely loving being on stage. I mean, he's been on stage since he was a zygote because uh, I've been performing basically throughout my entire pregnancy. So, and uh, I, I sort of feel like we might. I'm hoping not. Maybe he can do something else. But you know, I I was on stage in my mother's womb when she was performing, and now my son's on stage with me while I'm performing. So it's very much. 
uh, and he'll be coming with me uh, for my first contract back after maternity leave. So um, again, we're sort of continuing the tradition of growing up backstage. So uh, it's quite it's quite nice, really. I would love it if he became like a rock star or something. I, I'm going to encourage him to play the guitar or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> do you look up to anyone from the? Do, do, do you like idolize anyone from the world of rock? Oh, well, who don't I idolize? I mean, I, I love sort of 90s rock. So I, I'm a big Nirvana fan. Um, and I, I even have a, ta- a Nirvana tattoo. So, but I also love Radiohead and I, I loved uh, Soundgarden and stuff like that. Um, um, but I mean, I, I, I do tend to love um, more alternative music. I mean, she's not really rock, but Billie Eilish, I think she's wonderful. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> music is music. So I, I, I love it all. <laughs> that's, that's kind of one extreme to the other, isn't it? Your, your professional life, you sing all these beautiful arias. And then yeah. on the way home, you've got Radiohead smashing it yeah. out on your iPod. <laughs> music is universal. And all types of music are universal. And you know, there, there's no type, there's no rules really on what you should like or shouldn't like or how you should experience something or shouldn't experience something. And if you want to give up for a try, just think of it as, you know, if you go and see your favorite band rocking out, you know, I'm a, I love rock music, for example. So I, I, for me, I get the same buzz from going to see Radiohead perform to going to my favorite opera and if you just think of it as this is just communication of emotions and music in general then i think a lot of that preconceived ideas of what opera has been in the past will disappear we're all human beings and we all feel and this is just one way of people expressing that and if if you like in, engaging crazy stories about magic lands or you know falling in love or falling out of love or sometimes dying not so much in this opera but you know <laughs> but you know it's 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 like watching Lord of the Rings, you know. Go, 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 and have a journey into a different world and see and see what and see what it brings up for you. You you might be surprised. The brilliant Julia Sitkovetsky and the Welsh National Opera's performance of the Magic Flute. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of this as yet unnamed podcast. But we will continue to explore meat and enthuse about the stars of the stage at the Mayflower Theatre in Southampton. My name's Grant Francis. Search for me in your feeds at Grant Francis UK and keep an ear out for the next episode. <laughs>